I, uh, I just want to share one, one small thought with you today. Um, let me give you my title for Wednesday night. Wednesday night, I'm going to be preaching by the help of the Lord the sequel to what Brother Pat preached. I want to talk to you on Wednesday night about the delegations of a divine army because we are to be a divine army. Uh, and so I want to talk to you about that. But a prequel to that, I, I want to just turn your attention very quickly to 1 Samuel chapter 4. I'm going to read you a couple, read a couple of verses with you and uh, just share a simple thought. It's 1 Samuel chapter 4 verse 11, and the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Hophni, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, were slain. Skip down to verse 19. And his daughter-in-law, this is Eli's daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and she travailed, for her pains were come upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood around about her said, Fear not, for thou hast born a son. And she answered, Not. Neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because her father-in-law, and, and her, because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel. For the ark of God is taken. You can be seated today. Uh, we'll skip over to chapter 5 here in just a minute, but I want you to get the context of what I'm going to say, and that is the ark of God had been taken out on the battlefield, not by the direction of God, and the people were in sin anyway. And in the midst of the battle, the Philistines prevailed, and they stole the ark, and they took it back uh, to... I don't remember now if it was, I believe it was in Ashdod. They took it back to Ashdod, a, a, a city on the coast of Israel that was possessed by the Philistines. When they found out the news, Brother Pat, that the ark had been taken and that the two, the two priests, Hophni and Phinehas, they had lost their lives in the battle as well. It says that their father Eli was so stricken with grief that he fell over off of his seat, broke his neck, and he died there. At the same time, his daughter-in-law, she found out that uh, her husband was gone and the, the ark of God was gone and she, being great with child, went into labor and she gave birth to a baby boy and his name, she named him Ichabod because she said, the glory has departed from Israel. Now, brethren and sisters, I want you to understand today, the ark of God was stolen. The ark went away. But the ark was coming back. Yeah. That's right. The ark was temporarily gone from Israel. The ark was coming back. The glory was... Elbow somebody, look at him and say, the glory was coming back. But she named her son Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. I want to, this has nothing to do with, with what I, the, the main thought that I want to give you today, but I want you to understand we cannot make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. 
She said the glory has departed and her boy was named the glory is gone. And the longest day of his life, his name was the glory has departed. She should have named him the glory is coming back. When you get in a stressful situation, when you are under pressure, whenever uh, you just feel like you're at your wit's end, don't make a dumb and rash decision that's going to be permanent based on your temporary trial. You got to hear me today. Trials are temporary. That's right. Yea, though I walk. Yea, though I walk. Oh, you got to shout it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You're going through. It's just a process. Go through. Don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary circumstance. The enemy wants you to give up. I need to tell somebody that the enemy wants you to give up. And to quote a great philosopher that I spent some time with this week, he would say, that would be stupid. When you are... The psalmist talked about uh, that uh, being at our wit's end. You ever felt like you were at your wit's end? He said, he, he, he uh, was... was it's in one of the Psalms. He's talking about a, a boat that's reeling back and forth and uh, under a storm, Brother Pat, under a storm. But storms always pass. And, but when we're in the storm, we can feel like we're at our wits' end. That's when the enemy tells you you ought to just throw in the towel and give up. Which makes, if you think about it, it makes zero sense. No sense whatsoever. How does that come to pass? I, I got a revelation for you here. Here is, here is why there is a... T- let's, let's be honest for just a moment. Uh-huh. Has anybody ever been frustrated for whatever reason? Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with God, doesn't have anything to do with church's situations of life. Has anybody ever been frustrated by a situation of life and felt like, I just give up living for God? Has anybody ever... That's, that thought has ever just passed? Not for, not for some of you, but for some of you it has. And for some people that aren't in this building today, that's exactly what happened. Situations. Oh, I'm just not going to live for God. If you think it through, it doesn't make a lick of sense at all. That's right. Come on now. Because the enemy wants us to separate us from the only source of our strength. He wants us, Brother Pat, to get our focus off of the one that says, just come on across the water to me and get our eyes on the storm. Don't get your eyes on the storm. Glen Ferris, Apostolic Church, whatever you're going through in your life, don't get your eye on the storm. Keep your eye on Jesus. In this mess of a world we we live in, uh, I parallel it to to what's going on in this story of the Philistines taking the ark of God. It says in chapter 5, the Philistines took the ark of God. And uh, I promise, by the help of God, I'm actually wrapping up here. But the, the Philistines, they took the ark of God, they brought it to Ashdod. And it says that they took the ark of God and took it into the house of, we pronounce it, Dagon. Now, I will probably continue to pronounce it Dagon, even though that's not how it's pronounced in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it's pronounced Dagon. 
Google it when you get home. Or just, just Google it. Daggone, daggone, I'm sorry, daggone. That daggone God that they had set up in the house of Dagon. But I will continue to say Dagon because otherwise you'll laugh every time I say doggone. And so those nasty Philistines, they took the ark of God and they put it in that nasty temple of Dagon. That filthy, nasty, idol temple of Dagon. Where that false god was worshipped and where their priests went and they, they sacrificed things to that false god. That nasty, false god that was half man, half fish. Because Ashdod was on the coast and they probably uh, worshipped a fish god because of the, 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 the fish, the fishing there in that area. So there's the ark, the holy ark of God in that nasty place. Y'all get the picture? And then it says, verse, if you got verse number three there. They said it in the house of Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before, go ahead, the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon. Now this, this is just funny. Their God fell off his little stool. And they said, oh no, we got to put him back where he was. So they go over and they get their little God that they have carved out of wood or something, stone, I don't know what he was made of. But they, they go and they get, they get their little God and they, they say, oh, my little God fell down. i got to set him back up. And so they went and they picked him back up and put him in his place. And then, verse number 4, it says, And they arose the next day, early in the morning, and behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face, with his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And his head and both of the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold, and only the stump of Dagon was left of him. This is my only message for you today. And remember, this is a preface of what we're going to talk about on Wednesday night. We're going to talk about being an invading army and the divisions and the, 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 the divisions of, the, of a divine army. But they took the ark of God, which should have been behind the veil in the tabernacle, in a holiest of holy place. They took the ark of God and put it in that nasty place. But even in that place, the power of God was still more powerful than anything the world had to offer. And what I want to tell this church today, only in passing this morning, is that we've got something on the inside of us that it doesn't matter how bad the world gets, it doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in, it doesn't matter how lost your friend is, it doesn't matter how hooked, how bound they are, we've got a God that's able to cut everything... What the world looks at as a God and what the world looks at as invincible and, and not able to be overcome. I serve a God that even in the filth of this world, He's still greater. Oh, I 
I wish somebody would stand to your feet and give praise to a God who said greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I, I, I just want to tell somebody, when you begin to witness on your job, it doesn't matter if they've got a Marlboro in their hand or not. My God is more powerful. When you go to teach a Bible study, I don't care if there's beer cans in the floor. I know a God that's more powerful. When you go and... Oh, somebody ought to get with me today and understand, we serve a God that is more powerful. He is not hindered by the filth of this world. Hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands today. God. Hallelujah. It's the will of God for us to come to church and worship. But it is not the will of God for us to leave His glory here and just come back and visit us behind a veil. We serve a God that proved when the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom, we serve a God that proved He didn't want to be contained behind any walls or behind any curtains. He wanted to be set free. We are the vessels of God. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. God, you Use me. God, use this church. Use our prayers and use our witness in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you really want God to use you, I want you to pray for a moment. God, I pray today that you will open my eyes to opportunities of ministry. I pray that you will let me see people the way you see people. Lord, let me take off the glasses, the filter of this world that that wants to contain You. Let me see people the way You see people. In the name of the Lord Jesus, oh, use us, God. Use us, God. Use us, God. I shared this this morning with our leadership team, but I feel to tell you, this is not a club. The church is not a club. It's not a pastime. It's not a hobby. But to quote Stephen Curtis Chapman about 25 years ago, I'm dating myself, when I was a new convert, he said these lyrics, God, I want you to be my magnificent obsession. God, become my magnificent obsession. How many want God to be your obsession today? I'm not here, Lord, just to, just to put in time. I, I want to do your perfect will. I want to be your mag- I want you to be my magnificent obsession in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want the musicians to come. They're going to sing something, and uh, we're just going to worship the Lord for a little bit. I believe God has touched people. How many feels like you've, God touched your life today? I feel like God gave me a word of encouragement from somebody or God gave me encouragement in my spirit. We are so thankful for you, oh God. Let's all stand together and worship Him for a little bit in song. Father, we love you. Oh, hallelujah.